Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Thank you, guys. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 6. While you're turning there, let me thank the uh, students. And uh, Katie, thank you. Steve, again, thank you. Uh, If you missed last Sunday... Uh, You missed a wonderful service with Robbie McMakin. I encourage you, for those of you who are, uh, if you want a copy or you want to uh, get the church podcast, you can download that and listen to it. Uh, Phenomenal job. And we had a a busy Sunday afternoon with our folks who went to the Greenville Drive game. Uh, Sorry they didn't didn't win, but uh, we had some great fellowship. The other team didn't win yesterday either, but we're not going to go there. Busy week, busy week, and uh, had a great time with our senior adults uh, Wednesday as well. So, um, John chapter 6, John chapter 6. We've been going through uh, the book of John, and we get to a familiar passage this morning that most of us are familiar with. Uh, as I read it again, probably for the hundredth plus time. Uh, This week, in preparation for today, I was praying, God, please show me some new things, because sometimes uh, those of us, maybe who have grown up in church, we hear some of these stories, and we tend to think, oh yeah, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I read it, I already know everything about the story. And uh, so I hope that I will uh, show you some new things that I even learned uh, this week as we read it together. John chapter 6, let's dive right in. Verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he performed on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread that these people may eat? And this was his way of testing him. Anybody been tested this week? If you haven't, you better get ready because it's coming. It's coming. He was testing him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to even receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was much grass in this place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Let's stop right there. Some of you who heard this story before, and if your pastor, preacher, leader who's been sharing this passage with you, you probably know, and they should know, that there's 5,000 men... Scholars estimate that there was ladies and children there, so there probably could have been upwards of maybe 10,000 people. So if you can picture 10,000 people, this crowd of 10,000 people following Jesus, this was not a dozen, this was not a few hundred, this was thousands of people following Jesus. And why were they following Jesus? Because Jesus was the magician, 
the miracle worker, the healer, and everybody wanted to be on that ride because that ride gave them good stuff and they got to see incredible sights and things. So that's primarily why people were following Jesus at the time. So they sit down and Jesus, verse 11, took the loaves the lad had and gave thanks. And he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also with the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up, and they filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is of a truth the prophet who is to come into the world, a great multitude of people following Jesus, another miracle that John records for us uh, of the power of what Jesus is doing. And it's interesting, these people who are following Jesus for what they can see or get from Jesus, I guess you might say to get there in our modern day, maybe to get their fix, uh, to follow Jesus, it's interesting that they're following Jesus for this reason, because we'll look next week, Jesus finally gets to point uh, he's asking some questions in this passage, but he finally gets to a point of maybe, I don't want to read anything in there, but maybe wonder of, is everybody just going to follow him because he works miracles? And he will ask them a question, and we'll look at that next Sunday. So this is happening, John tells us, the Passover is at hand. What was the Passover? Most of us may remember. If you don't remember, I'll remind you it was a holiday commemorating when the Jews were liberated from slavery out of Egypt, and that passing over of the forces, forces of destruction, when they would put the blood over their doorpost, and Jesus would, God would spare uh, the firstborn of the Israelites. This is, the celebration is getting ready to happen. So that could be another reason that this multitude shows up. They may be traveling in preparation for Passover. So this multitude of people get there. It's interesting Every other gospel account, we, we said very early on when we started the study of John, that John gives us some interesting facts that no other gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, don't tell us about. Because John is mainly interested in what? Do you remember? He tells us at the end of the book. He is interested in sharing us all these things so that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so all the other gospel writers mention this. Luke actually tells us, if you look at what Luke has to say about this story, he tells us that Jesus actually had kind of retired to a deserted place to pray. He wanted some time alone. The crowds were not going to allow that to happen. How many of you have ever felt in that situation? I just want some... Moms, you should be shaking your head. I just want some time by myself. Jesus knows how you... Feel. So he wanted some time alone, and yet the crowds still follow him, even when he's wanting to be alone. So Jesus asked some questions. Uh, I did not take many counseling classes uh, when I was working on my master's degree, but the one, one or two classes that I had, they would often tell you that if you really want to help people, the best way that you help people is you ask questions. Because a lot of people know the answers to the questions. They've just ne never been probed long enough for somebody to ask questions. Jesus must have known this. Of course, he's God in the flesh. So he starts to ask questions to maybe get people to think. A series of questions. We're, we're going to, by the way, be asking some questions 
And many of you maybe have some questions about where our church is going, about our future, etc. November the 6th, you can mark this while I'm thinking about it on your calendar, we'll have a, a longer worship service together, no small groups that Sunday morning, and we're going to be talking about kind of a family meeting, where, do we get, where are we headed as a church, and that'll be a time for you to have some of your questions answered. Jesus is asking some questions here. I love Jesus' technique. One of my takeaways from this week, reading this story, is uh, something that I need to continue to learn. Jesus was not always so concerned about the destination. He was not always so concerned about getting the job or the project completed as much as he was about people growing in the process. Sometimes I'm more concerned with let's just get to the destination. I remember my mom and dad had great patience with me when we would go see my grandmother and grandfather on a six-hour trip, and I would often ask after about an hour, how much further, how much further? And they would just keep saying, we're not there yet, we're not there yet. And they were very patient, and they tried to have conversations and play games along the way, like I spy, or I don't know if we even do that anymore, or the alphabet game, where you would pick letters off the signs. Some of you know what I'm talking about, pass those... Wonderful game zone to the next generation. Those are great. They were patient with me. Jesus was obviously a person of patience, and he started to ask questions. And what I want to share with you this morning, the outline you actually have in your bulletin uh, today is for next week, because I threw Kayla a curveball and inserted this story, this passage in, from what my original preaching plan was, which... Which, by the way, if there's any takeaways from you this morning that you get from this passage, it is... Uh, Always, every Sunday, it's a God thing. Where we are in the life of our church, and the fact that we're going through the book of John, just just so you know, my plan, because I'm a planner, uh, I had planned for us to go through the book of John a year ago. Uh, The staff knows in January we're going to be going through the book of Jonah. Next summer we're going to be going through the book of Hebrews. I kind of like to prepare before I get up here and stand in front of uh, 400 eyeballs that are looking at me, you know, to make sure I try to have my thoughts together. And so we land on this Sunday. Here we are in September of 2022 on this passage. I don't think it's by mistake, so... Jesus asked some questions, and there were some responses that the people had when Jesus said to them, let's do something about feeding this crowd. There were several responses. I want us to look at them this morning. Here's the first response we see from Philip. Verse 6, Philip says this. Verse 7, he answered Jesus, 200 denarii worth of bread is not enough to feed all these people. For not even everyone to receive a little bit. In other words, he is beginning to make excuses. It's interesting that this guy, if you study the life of Philip, Philip was there at the wedding at Cana, which we we didn't get to talk about that in chapter 2, John chapter 2, where Jesus turned the water into wine. Philip was there for that miracle. Philip was there walking with Jesus in John chapter 3, where Jesus had that conversation with Nicodemus and no doubt shared that with his the disciples a little bit later that day. Philip has been walking with Jesus. He's seen these miracles. He's seen these signs. And here's this crowd of people. And here Jesus is. And Jesus says, what are we going to do about feeding them? And Philip starts to panic. Starts to make excuses. 
Well, if, if, we, if, we, if we had 200 denarii, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. And even if we had enough money, where would we buy the quantity of food that it's going to take to feed 5, 10, 12,000 people? Lord, how are we going to do that? Started to make excuses. It's interesting, too, again, if you study Philip, that his answer is about money. It's not even, even about food. The issue is not about money. The issue is about food. And yet Philip goes to, his go-to is about money. There's a whole sermon right there, I'll tell you that. At least for me this week. Even if they had enough money, which they did not, where would they buy the food? Philip is a, if you study other Bible stories, and we'll study some of those as we continue through the book of John and find out what kind of person he was. He was a matter-of-fact person. He was a logical thinker. He may have thought uh, spreadsheets and tabulations and statistics, yet here this great man was. He left out one critical element in his calculation. That was the power and the miraculous work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought about where we're headed as a church family. There's a lot of statistics and calculations that have been going on and necessary and needed. And I'm thankful for all the work that our finance team and personnel team and properties team. Uh, if you're only able to be here with us for a few hours a week, I just want you to know there's an army of people behind the scenes that are working uh, actually more than 40 hours a week, some weeks, in addition to the job that they have to work to take care of their families. I am grateful. Grateful. And those things are important. But what we can't do without is the miraculous work of Jesus Christ. And Philip thought maybe in terms of money and how much it would take to carry out God's work in this small way. Kind Kind of assuming that everyone in the crowd that was there that day might have a little bit to contribute to feed the thousands of people that were there. So... I can be like that. You can be like that. When God calls on us and asks us to do something, we can quickly become people of excuses. Or we can respond like Andrew did. Andrew's response is this. One of his other disciples, John tells us, and he's an eyewitness to this, verse 9, comes up to Simon Peter, or Andrew, Simon Peter. His brother says to him, there's this lad here who has five Barley loaves and two fish, but what are these going to do for so many people? If you study that, lad literally means a little boy. Probably not even a teenager, maybe six, seven, eight, nine years old. There's this little boy there. He has some barley loaves and some fish. Anybody ever eaten barley loaves? All right, a few of you, maybe. Not, not very tasty. Not, those, they have some of those on diet plans. If you do a fast, you can go to the grocery store and you can get some barley loaves. It's not the injected stuff that's good in the sunbeam white bread that's got all the bad stuff in it for you. It's not that. It's barley. And I started studying this week thinking, what's, is there any significance, Lord, about, these, about this barley? Barley actually is very significant. It was a very simple food. And actually, more often, the people who ate barley, or the ones that had barley, were the animals, were the livestock. The people who had barley, more often than not, were people of very low means. Poor. Poverty-level people. So more than likely, this young lad came from a very poor family. And here he is with probably all that he had. 
We don't know where he's headed. These are many questions I'm going to ask one day when I get to heaven. Where he was headed, where he was going, maybe he got swept up in the throng of the crowd. Where are all these people going? You know, I don't, I don't know what happened, but here he finds himself in the crowd, and Andrew finds him and sees him and says, wait, maybe he can help. He was also carrying two small fish. Now, the other gospel writers use a different word in their account of this story for fish. John uses a very specific word when he talks about these fish, and it's a word called asperia. And it indicates, by using that word, that it's not as some of us describe our story when we go fishing. Because we have our fishing stories. I caught one this big. We know it was really this big. But you said it was this big. So we have our fish stories. John's not telling fish stories. John is very specific and exact in his account. And when he uses that word, asperia, he's actually indicating it was very small, too small, probably salted little fish, that most of the time those fish were used, they were cut up, and they were used for relish on top of the barley to give it a little bit of flavor. So it wasn't even hardly maybe a morsel or two that he's carrying with these little bitty fish. You know what that tells me? Andrew was not seeing with eyes of faith. He was seeing with his human eyes, which is one way we can respond when God asks us to do something. We can respond with our own eyes, our human eyes, or we can respond with eyes of faith. We can step out on faith and do what God has called us to do and stretch our faith. But let's look at what Jesus does. Jesus has a little bit different response when he's handed that uh, basket of barley and fish. What does he do? Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, he gives thanks, he distributes to those who are seated, likewise also some of the fish. Jesus has a different response when God allows this opportunity to come before him. He sees the response as an opportunity to give God praise and to demonstrate God's power and God's glory, and he thanks God for the opportunity and he obeys. So I ask myself some questions this week as I'm reading this. What opportunities has God placed in front of me? What opportunities is God placing in front of you? And what is your response? Are you a person who makes excuses? Are you a person who sees things with your own human eyes? Are you seeing with eyes of faith? Jesus is very orderly, in fact. John goes to tell us that he actually has the people sit down. Jesus says in verse 10, sit down. Can you imagine, picture it in your mind's eye, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 plus people. It's hard enough to get us to sit down in here. We just, 100 or so, 150, 160 people to sit down. But Jesus orderly has them to sit down and they obey and he offers thanks to God and he prays and then the miraculous happens. All of a sudden, somehow, somehow those five little Debbie cakes and those two little sardines that this little boy had in his basket, all of a sudden, I don't know what happened. I don't know if as Jesus picked them up, they just multiplied in his hand. I don't know how it happened. I would have loved to have been there to see how it would have happened. But Jesus began to demonstrate what happens when you obey God. 
And as we wrap up this morning, I want to look at those things very quickly. Verse 11, there's a key phrase that John tells us in verse 11. Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. It's like a trip to the Golden Corral buffet. As much as they wanted. Somehow out of this little bit that this little boy offered, they had as much as they wanted, which tells me one thing that happens when you obey God. God proves that little is much for him. Little is much for him. For those little cakes and the little fish, Probably a meager act of praise that this little boy let go of and handed to uh, Andrew. Jesus knew what he could make of them when he stopped and he gave thanks for them. And I think about you and I, it's interesting. We can go back to the excuse that was made earlier in the passage with Philip when he says, well, I've only got a little bit. If you are here this morning, dear friend, hear me. And you are saying to yourself, I only have a little bit, a little bit of talent, a little bit of money, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of whatever. I want you to hear me say, if you hear nothing else this morning, your little bit is a lot in God's hands. Stop making excuses for your little bit. Some of you aren't serving in different places in this church because you think all I have is a little bit. Take your little bit and give it to God and let Him do something miraculous with it. Some of us feel like, well, I only have a little bit to contribute toward what God's doing in the way of a physical building out here. Take your little bit and give it to God and let Him do something miraculous with it. Stop making excuses. If you had it all in your hand, God might not need you. And we'll talk about that in a minute. This little boy proved by his obedience. And Jesus proved by this demonstration of feeding all these people. That God can do much with our little. It's interesting. The thought that I had that for me this week was new. Was this boy who brought his little bit. Picture this. He's... Picture the story when he runs home and tells whoever he lives with, maybe mom, maybe mom, dad, I don't know, maybe grandma, I don't know. Could have been any one of those in that culture. But can you picture the story that all he had was this little bit, and what happened with it when he runs back and tells the story of what happened with his little bit. The boy himself ended up with more than he started with. And some of us are holding on to our little because we, if we're honest, I'm being gut level honest with you this morning about myself. We hold on to our little sometimes because we doubt that God will take it and do something bigger with it. We think that we can hold on to it and do something better with it than the creator of the world. And so we hold on to it. And you know what that shows? A lack of faith in, in my life when I do that and a lack of trust. God, I know I'm supposed to tithe this week, but the transmission went out on the car. Once I get that taken care of, then I'll get back into my regular giving. Sorry, did that hurt? Yeah, it hurts me too. My engine light is flashing on my truck right now. Think God didn't know that was going to happen? Oh, that took me by surprise. I need to figure out what I can do about his truck. I thank God... 
I was thinking this week, I can't remember who I was talking to this week here in our church family, but we were talking about this issue and I was talking about my mom and dad. It wasn't easy. I know it wasn't easy because we've talked about it now that I'm older. The sacrifices that they made to continue to give to God's work, even when interruptions came, that every normal human being would have said, okay, God just let me off the hook. I don't have to keep doing that because this happened. As if God didn't know that was going to happen. We can make excuses. Well, I'll give when I have more. I'll, I'll give out of my extra. And sometimes we don't give. I don't give. Or I don't do what I'm supposed to do because I don't trust that God can make up the gap. That God can make up the difference. And yet the reality is God can make up the difference every single time. God proves that there is many times he can do much with little. Proverbs eleven twenty four says it this way. There's one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more that is right but leads to poverty. Proverbs eleven twenty four, great verse. What else can we learn when we obey God as Jesus demonstrated? Jesus demonstrated also that God proved in this story he wants to use you. He wants to use people. I mean, we know enough about the miracles that somehow in those earthen pots in John chapter 2, all of a sudden the water that was in there, I don't know how it happened, the water that was in there turned to wine. So Jesus could have reached in his pocket and just started walking through the crowd, handing out sandwiches, and every time he stuck his hand in his pocket, poof, another sandwich for you. Oops, empty. Poof, there's another. He could have walked through the crowd and done that because he's God. But he proved in this story he wanted to use people. Primarily the lad, of course, is one. Andrew asked the question, what, what are we going to do among so many people? How are, we going to, how are we going to do something here? There wasn't really a lot to work with, right? I mean, there was only these five uh, barley loaves and a couple of fish. But God doesn't really need a lot. He just needs a willing person. And this lad was willing. But not only the lad was willing, but if you read the story, Jesus has the people sit down. He takes the loaves, verse 11, he gives thanks. And then he starts distributing... With the help of his disciples, and we're going to find out that as we continue to read the story, because all of a sudden these disciples are walking through the crowd and they're picking up the leftovers. So he has the help not only of the lad, but the help of the disciples going through the crowd and distributing food. Here was the lightning bulb, light bulb, lightning bolt, wake up moment for me this week as I read this passage again. The reality is God doesn't need any help. But... He often, deliberately, hang with me here, restrains doing his work until he has a cooperation of human beings to help him. Are you getting that this morning? Some of you, some of you I know, didn't go to bed till late because you watched those orange jerseys run around on the field. I, I, I prayed for you yesterday. God doesn't need us, but sometimes he restrains his full work until he gets human cooperation. Why? Because he needs human cooperation? No. Because he wants you to be a part of the miracle. He wants you to experience a miracle. He wants you to be a part of the process. He wants you to experience it so you can see and taste, wow, that was God working through me. 
Amazing that he gives us that opportunity. God proved that he wanted to use and wants to use you. Could have created that bread and fish in his pocket, but he didn't. He deliberately chose a method that would involve other people. Amazing. Third thing I see from this story when we obey God is Jesus always completes the work. It's interesting. Verse 11 says that when he distributed the food, people had as much as they wanted. They were filled. Verse 12 says, when they were filled, he said to his disciples, all right, go up, go through the crowd, gather up all the leftover fragments, that nothing will be lost. Jesus was generous, as he always is, giving everybody as much as they wanted. A remarkable miracle. But if you'll notice there, the story really doesn't stop. After he feeds everyone, they start walking through the crowd, and they start gathering up the leftover fragments. Now, forgive me, I, 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 when I read some of this stuff, because I want to I wanna be prepared for you guys on Sunday, I start researching what some of these words are. And fragments, when I, read, when I thought initially of fragments, I'm thinking that what was left on the ground was like what happens when I get through with a meal, and I'm really hungry. You know, and there's all these little, small little pieces of stuff on the table that the waitress can come by if I'm at a restaurant and just go... And wipe them off, and they'll fall on the floor. Nobody will even see them because they're so small. That's not the word he uses there. The fragments that the disciples walk around and pick up are like pieces, chewable pieces of food that are still left over all over the ground. Morsels of food that are still left over. That's what happens when my God provides. And your God provides. There's this food left over. So he sends the disciples out in verse 13. And they start to gather them up. And they fill 12 baskets. Some preachers, some Bible scholars say there was a basket for every disciple. I don't know if that's what Jesus was doing or not. It'd be kind of cool if it was. Go home just in case you ever doubt me again. Why don't you go home with the leftovers? Which is more than we started with. So I don't know if that's the case. But they go home with 12 baskets with fragments from the five loaves which are left over. Amazing. I mean, we, we could stop there, and we're about to stop, but we could stop there, and there's plenty of lessons that we, that we learn just from those things right there. We learn that Jesus completes His work. But as I read this story this week with a fresh set of eyes and started thinking about what we would, what we would share today, and as we're going through the book of John, there's four phrases that came to my mind. They won't be on the screen. I just want to share with you as a way for you to process maybe how God would help you respond today. And here, here are the four phrases. The first one, and forgive me Disney fans, but it's let it go. You know what? As I look back in my life, and probably as I'll look back in five more years because I'm stubborn, the times where I am holding on tightly and not letting go of things are always, 100% in hindsight, always to the detriment of my walk with Jesus. Always. Always. I cannot think of a time where it hasn't been true. Always. 
Because how can God, church family, how can God put something new in your hand until you let go of what's in your hand? And if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, you're a kid influencer, you've worked in the nursery or worked with kids, you know that the number one mantra of a child when they're really little is what? Me, my, mine. Hey, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. You may have seen this meme on social media of a dad who is standing in front of his little girl. He's kneeling, and in her hand, she has this little teddy bear, and it's about this big, and she's holding on to it, and he's trying to take it out of her hand. What she doesn't see is behind him, he has this huge teddy bear this big, and he wants to bring it around and give it to her, but she won't let go of the little teddy bear because she's fearful that if she lets go of that, she'll be without. There's a sermon right there. Maybe for some of us this morning, our response needs to be we need to come down to the altar, the front, from our seat, pray, kneel, stand, and say, God, I, I am letting go of what's in my hand. It's not, not about money, necessarily. This story is much bigger than about money and provision. If that's all you get, you're missing the point. It's about clinging on and holding on to things sometimes and not willing to let them go. It could be holding on to a relationship that you know is toxic for you, but you won't let go of it because you're fearful that God won't give you something better. It could be that you're in a down-and-out loser job, and you're thankful for that job, and you're trying to serve in that job, but the job does not honor God, and the people around you aren't honoring God, and you feel like God's told you, let go of that, and I'll provide something better, and you're going, God, if I let go of this, who's going to pay the bills? See, now we're getting real, because it's hard to do. I'm not suggesting this morning that walking by faith is easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's difficult. It's challenging. Walking when you can't see the result is what we are called to do as Christians. We're not supposed to operate like the world. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So maybe God's saying to you, let it go. Maybe God's asking this question. I wrote this down. What's in your hand? Maybe you need to look. Spiritually, and what, what are you holding on to? You could be holding on to things that are not necessarily bad. They may be good things. I'm, I'll be vulnerable with you. That's all right. You guys know me. I'll be vulnerable with you. There are things that I'm thinking about for my own life, my family, for our church, for our staff that I'm praying about. And the, the wrestling around that happens sometimes is... This is a good idea, but is this a God idea? There's a world of difference between the two, by the way. And sometimes we want to hold on to the good idea because it logically makes sense. It will produce this. It will produce this. There's tremendous pressure without chasing a long rabbit here. There's tremendous pressure in the church world to do those things that maybe will cause visible results like we see here. But the visible results that we saw here were long-lasting results in some people who wanted to follow Jesus. And there's a pressure in church work to do things that cause visible results, whether or not they cause eternal results. I don't want to be about that. What's in your hand? The third word I wrote down is surrender. All to Jesus, I surrender. We sing that invitation 
And maybe we've sung that song out loud, or maybe we've sung that song in our hearts when we come to know Jesus for the first time. But if I'm honest with you this morning, that's a song I have to sing every single day. I surrender. Because there's ongoing things in life where good people, and sometimes the enemy, sometimes it's just good people, sometimes it's not good people, try to place things in our hands. Hold, hold on to this. Here, hold on to that. Here, hold on to this. Hold on to this. And we find ourselves, much like most of the people outside of this room, hopefully none, not too many inside this room, we find ourselves as life goes on during the week, everybody's trying to grab at something. I need my position, I need my authority, I need my accomplishment. I mean, you, if, if you're on social media at all, it's ay, 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 ay. It's, it's almost visible. Everybody's just... And what God wants us to do is throw our hands up and surrender. Last word I wrote down in my notes for me was Obedience. Obedience. I don't know the conversation. Ah, John, why didn't you, why didn't you tell us that? I, I don't know if when Andrew went to this little boy, if he said, you know, like, like when they did when Jesus was getting ready to go uh, be crucified and the man goes and gets the donkey before he walks out and they start singing Hosanna, Hosanna, and they go to get the donkey, you know, it's the story, and somebody says to him, one disciple says, excuse me, the Lord has need of this. I don't know if Andrew went to the little boy and said, excuse me, the Lord has need of this. The little boy probably going, the Lord, what, who, who's that? What? I don't know the conversation that happened, but out of obedience, he, he let go and trusted this guy he may or may not have seen before. The Bible doesn't tell us. To take what little bit he had and walk off into the crowd with it and walk, take it to Jesus. I'm going to find that little boy when I get to heaven. Moses tells us from verse 14, John refers to something that Moses said. He says, when therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, the crowd said, if you ever wondered who they are, here they are right here. If you ever wonder who your mama said, well, you know what they say, this is, this is they right here. They said, this is of a truth, the prophet who is to come into the world. And what they're referring to is what Moses said back in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Moses talked about the fact that the prophet will come and he said in Deuteronomy 18, 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, much like Moses fed people when they were going through the wilderness and they complained about the food they got. In the same way, Jesus fed this crowd of people. And Moses is predicting this prophet is going to come. So the people are still wrestling around in their, in their heads, who is this Jesus? But it's interesting that their mind is still on the sign, it's still on the miracle, it's still on the miraculous what they might have thought was magic, or how did this guy do this, feed all these people? So the last question I have for you and for me this morning is, why are you following Jesus? It's interesting, and we'll look at this next week. The crowd followed Jesus, for the most part, as long as he did the things they wanted. You feed me, I'm with you. You walk over there and touch that person, and all of a sudden, wow, they see. Whoo, that's cool. I want to see that again. Do it, do it, do it again, do it again, do it again. 
almost like a little kid. Jumping out of the tree. Oh, daddy caught me. Do it again. Put me up there. Do it again. 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 As long as Jesus did those things and people got what they wanted, they followed along. It's easy for me to read that story and kind of criticize how the crowd loved Jesus for the bread that they got. But if I'm honest, and if you're honest this morning, sometimes we only follow Jesus for what we get. Or maybe what we think we're going to get. We have to obey and love Jesus for who he is. Not just what he gives to us. Maybe this morning as you think about this story, maybe that's a question that I would leave with you is why are you following Jesus? Would you pray with me? While you're praying this morning, would you just ask the Lord that question? Lord, would you examine my heart? Why am I following you today? I'm so grateful for my salvation, if that's you. And you can say that to the Lord. Thank Him for that. But it goes way beyond that. Jesus wants a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, He wants to use you. He's, he's calling, I believe, every single person in this congregation to something. Where we can choose to obey and surrender and let go. Or we can choose to hold on to and disobey. But the results of obedience to God is miraculous things will happen. And so maybe today right there in your seat where you are, maybe you just needed to confess to the Lord and say, God, I'm, I'm going to live from here on out. I'm going to live with open hands. I'm going to trust you to put things in my hand and take them out of my hand. And I, I will steward those things that you give me, but realize they, those things are not mine. They have been given to me by you. And I'm just a steward. In just a minute, we're going to stand and Steve's going to lead us in a song of invitation. But before we do that, I just want to give you a few moments. I'm going to be quiet right there in your seat. Just say, Lord, speak to me. Give him a moment to speak. And when he's finished speaking, would you just say, Lord, I want you to have your way in my life today. Have your way. just a minute church family I'm going to ask you to quietly and reverently in just a second stand to your feet we're going to have a song of invitation maybe you're visiting crossroads today if you are we're so glad you're here maybe you're ready to make this place your church home if you are I'll be here at the front I'm going to ask our teaching pastor and student pastor my friend Heath to come stand with me and maybe you need prayer this morning maybe you maybe you're trying to let go and you need some encouragement some help just to let go what's in your hand Maybe this morning you need to surrender to the King of kings and Lord of lords and just say, Jesus, have your way. I'm bringing my little loaves and my fish. It's not a lot to me, but in your hands I know you can multiply it and do great things. If that's the attitude of your heart, we're going to stand and sing in just a moment. And I want to invite you to come respond here at the front. And grab my hand or Heath's hand. We'd love to pray with you. You can pray right there in your seat or kneel at the front and return to your seat.
whatever God leads you to do this morning. Father, I pray you'd have your way during our invitation today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with us as Steve leads us this morning? Heath and I will be here at the front to, to greet you this morning. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.